You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 402 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on Sunday, June the 4th, and I am joined by, honestly, an upgrade on Scott Coleman. Yes, I said it, Scott. Steven Tolbert is here. Hello, sir. How are you? What's up, Brad? That was a fun game we just watched together. I mean, that was that was wild. But yeah, it is. It's great to be on. Uh, you and Scott have both helped out on our show, so it was only right that when he was out of town that we returned the favor. So it's always fun to do these, and especially do them on the main show. I am told that Scott will, in, in fact, be coming back to the podcast at some point in the near future, but not That's today. The rumor. Uh, that is the rumor. But yeah, as you just alluded to, we are recording this podcast moments. After the Braves had kind of a thr- thrilling victory today, uh, they were in some trouble. We thought about even starting a recording, and uh, Eddie Rosario pulled them out of the fire with a grand slam. Not a walk-off, but a uh, a game-winning grand slam in the top of the ninth. Uh, I think I will leave it to you, because you were telling me how you felt about this game and how you made, it f- made, your, made, made yourself feel emotionally. Uh, you know, wh- where's your brain at after this? Obviously, we'll get into all the all the details and all that stuff, but uh, coming right off of this, uh, of this kind of monumental win for the Braves, where, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, it's so funny. We were just talking about it, but, you know, you know, say the Braves had won two out of three against Oakland and then lost two out of three against Arizona, right? Like it would have felt like a pretty normal West Coast trip. Like you take two out of three against the bad team, you lose two out of three against the good team, you know, you're kind of fine with it. And so they lost two out of three against Oakland and then took two out of three against Arizona. So it is funny how there's just one game, just this one game, makes the whole trip feel different. You know, now you're you're coming home, two game winning streak. You just beat Zach Gallon, who's probably one, two in the Cy Young in terms of favorite right now. You're about to go against, you know, New York, who's probably your, you know, I know we're, I know Miami's there, but it's probably your principal division rival. It just feels so much better coming off a two game winning streak. You just beat a really good Arizona team in their ballpark. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, there's 162 of these things, so you should never get too wrapped up in one of them. But it is funny how one game changes the the entire feel uh, of a trip. I think our brand certainly is to kind of maybe lean into the fact that this isn't that big of a deal. But I agree with you, actually. It's like, you know, it's unquantifiable on some level. But, you know, a lot of people pointed to this last year. They, they kind of got things on track in Arizona and there's some symmetry there. And it happened here. And, you know, the fact that it was Eddie who had been struggling for a large portion of the season. He's out heating up the last few days. And, you know, having it be a grand slam was something a little bit interesting about that. A little bit more uh, punctuation like about a grand slam. If it had been a three run homer. Is it the same feeling? I don't know. Maybe it is. But uh, it's always interesting to kind of get that win on, on a Sunday right before it's it's, it's sort of that uh, that late afternoon 
afternoon. Everybody's dialed in. Like it wasn't 1030 at night. So like, you know, everyone's watching on a Sunday afternoon and uh, lots of extra emphasis and uh, certainly a fun win against a good team. Arizona's very good. Um, and look, the Braves are still not playing their best baseball right now. They're 10 and 13 in the last 23 it does feel better than nine and 14. Uh, I tweeted this and maybe I was a, a reverse jinx in the way that uh, in Scott's honor, I suppose, but I tweeted right, right before the ninth inning that if they had lost today, it would have been their smallest division lead since April 27th. It would, would have been down to two and a half games and it's three and a half still right now against actually over Miami, like you uh, just alluded to. And more than a third of the season's over, like, you know, it matters. The results are what they are. I, I still feel good about this team. There was a kind of a round this week. I'm, sh- I'm sure you saw it about, you know, people kind of freaking out about the way they've played recently versus, hey, they're up four or five games in the division. Uh, I mean, I guess put yourself in the in the headspace of uh, try not to be uh, you know too celebratory after today is like, I mean, are you feeling good about the Braves? We'll, we'll sort of dig into the, how the results happen this week, but are you still feeling like this is a team that's like, you know, they're not playing their best, but are they the favorite by a significant margin? Like where, where's your head at with regard to the rest of the season? Well, I think the first place you have to start is the division because that's just the easiest way to get into the playoffs. It's the most direct way. And the division is not very good, quite honestly. I mean, the Mets are probably a step or two below what they thought we thought they'd be. You know, Verlander and Scherzer both look human. Um, their offense is still a question. You know, they really didn't upgrade their offense from last year, and it was a question last year. So, you know, not exactly a big shock, but it's still a question this year. Um, I know, I know what Miami's record is. They're not a good team. Miami's not a good team. I mean, like there's so many things we can look at to determine what a team's going to look like in two or three months. And all the things you look at for those kind of tell you that Miami is not only is not, not a good team, it's probably closer to one of the worst teams in the National League versus one of the best. And they're they're living off some one run luck at the moment that's almost certainly going to regress. And I, I, I honestly, I mean. I don't know who the second best team in this division is. And I, even if I could tell you who that is, I don't know. I don't know how good they would be. So that honestly, more than anything, that makes me feel better because the Braves just have a relative, you know, if this was the AL East and you got to win probably a 97, 98 games just to win the division, then it's a different animal, maybe more, maybe a hundred games to win that division. But you know, the NL East isn't looking quite as strong as we thought it would. So yeah, I feel fine about the team. I mean, today's win helps a lot just for the mental side of it, but you know, they're going to get Max back eventually. They're going to get Kyle back. The offense is not going to go through these, you know, this kind of rut all year. We saw some life in the last two games, which is great to see. So, yeah, uh, you know, you do have to keep, you know, Chris and I talk about this, but you do have to zoom out a little bit, make sure you keep perspective. But, yeah, this team is fine. They're they're exactly where they need to be. We agree. I, I think that there is a reasonable debate on how good the Braves are right now in their current form with the pitching concerns with Max not being there and all that, but the offense is better than it's been recently. I think there's no reason not to think that it will be uh, sorry that it won't be. And I mean, you're put about Miami, not, not to pile on, but they have a negative 37 run differential right now, despite being 32 and 28 because they're 16 and four in one run games. Yeah. They've scored the fewest runs in the national league. It yeah. is really hard to score the fewest runs in the league and be four games over 500, but that's where they are because they just keep winning these tight games. So, and then that I think the Mets are better than they've been so far, probably if I had to guess, but they're 30 and 30 and they're underwater uh, run differential wise too. So that is a good point. I think it all starts with the division as it always should. I mean, on one hand, people that grew up uh, that are my age or older that remember all of those teams in the nineties and winning the division kind of got old hat after a while. But uh, when you, when you do that, uh, that sets the baseline and, and you know, just get in the dance and you want to win the division. And that's, that's priority number one. They always say that for a reason. It's, it's because it's true. And look, 
this is just two projection systems, but I know both Fangraphs and 538 as of you know yesterday or today have the Braves at like 80% or higher to win the division. And that's uh, that's not nothing, because if you do that, you're in good shape in a National League that I think the Dodgers are legitimately good. Um, but basically, other than that, I mean, maybe Arizona is getting there. We'll, we'll see. But there's no terrifying entity in the National League. Even the Dodgers are not the Dodgers of old, I don't think. So, like, I still think the Braves are probably the best team in the National League. But even if they're not, they're on the short list, uh, even if they're not playing like that necessarily right now. Yeah, and like, and we've seen the last few years. I mean, just get in, right? Just get in. Yep. Like it, it, like Philadelphia last year, the Braves, you know, the year before. Like, just get in. Just get in the tournament. Just be there. And you know, even if you don't win the division, like, yeah, you want to win the division so you can avoid the wild card round, which is kind of the new thing because of the expanded playoffs. But just be one of the six best National League teams in you know in the league when the year's over, and you're gonna be fine. Like, you have a chance, and so. Honestly, their long-term projections, I think, are tied more to Max and Kyle than they are yeah. how the, their record is right now. Like, if Max comes back like normal Max, then they're probably the best team in the National League. But if he doesn't come back, then even if they do make the playoffs, I don't know exactly how far they're going to go, you know, without their horse. So, uh, so much of it is tied to how Max does and how, how well he looks when he gets back and how soon he can get back. And so, you know... Some of it matters a little bit in terms of how they're playing right now, but a lot of it doesn't matter in terms of how they're playing right now. A lot of it is like how how they get Max back, how he looks, and and you know what is that? How does that shape them up for the playoffs? But yeah, there should be no panic right now in in Braves country. I know there is, but there should. Be. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, last thing on this before we get to the results of this week, the Braves at this very moment, as we're recording this podcast, lead the National League in run differential, and they are number two in runs scored and number two in runs allowed. That's a good baseball team. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. yes, just stop there. I know that we're, we're only 36% of the way through the season. I get that's not the whole season, but if you are, if you're doing that, um, honestly, that, that tells you more than your one, one, than your one loss record does. And even though they're, they're just fine there too, at, at 35 and 24 at this point in time. So yeah, no reason for concern really whatsoever. And we'll see moving forward. Um, I say all that because we should at least talk about the Oakland series briefly. I know you and Chris talked about it a little bit as did Sean. We'll breeze through it, but they did lose two or three in Oakland. It's kind of funny because this is a result or a group of results that I would be the first to say on this podcast is just baseball. Like Oakland is literally the worst team I may have ever seen. They are on pace to be the worst team in my adult life. And they beat the rest two out of three games because baseball is baseball. And they still have professional baseball players and weird things happen in baseball games. Is that like where you would just point this to? Like, I mean, the offense did nothing in the series. That's That was the actual reason. They scored seven runs in three games. That's the that's why they lost two out of three. But like, is there anything beyond this rather than just like noise of three games in baseball? Nope. There's, <laughs> there's, there's. I mean, Oakland coming into that series, I remember writing this down. Oakland gave up on average about seven and a half runs a game coming into that series against the Braves, and the Braves were one of the top offenses in baseball, and the Braves scored seven runs in the entire series combined. They scored as many runs in the whole series as Oakland gives up per game. Like it's just like it's just no, it's just so random. And you know, I I likened it back to like I think it was 2019. I think it was the Josh Donaldson team when the Braves won like 97, 98 games. They're one of the best teams in the National League. They went to Kansas City for two games in like August and got destroyed, like seven one, eight one in two in a two game series. And you just like throw your hands up. You're like I. Kansas City won like 50 something games that year and the Braves won 98 and they lost both games. And like, 
that's baseball. I mean, it's just so random and it, it makes no sense. And yeah, uh, that's what me and Chris said. I, I, I honestly, as soon as that series was over, I, I tried to flush it. I've had to talk about it twice now, and that's probably two <laughs> more times than I wanted to. Like, just, yeah. like we just flush it. That's all you got to do. Just flush it. I am sure that's how they talked about it, and that's what should be done. I do want to talk about one thing from that series. I'm not necessarily the series, but um, after that series, I made I made some notes and updated them after that. Um, that there was a, there's been a lot of talk about starting pitching, and I thought it was funny during that series that like people were focusing on the run prevention when it was really the office that was the problem. But um, as, as far as what we just talked about with Max and even with Kyle Wright, um, even with those two guys combining for ten starts this year total, and Wright was bad in his five starts. Um, the Braves came into today, and yeah, they probably went down a little bit after today because Soroka was not very good. But they were in the top six of the majors, not just the National League, of the majors in Fangraphs, War, ERA, and FIP from starting pitchers. So, like, presumably a period and, and a, like a, a part of the team that's a weakness right now without Max, without Kyle, um, and amid all of the noise and all of the fill-ins and all that stuff, they've actually still been good in the rotation. You could argue... Yeah, Bryce Elder may not be Greg Maddox, and that's what he's pitching like right now. But like, they're still doing it. Strider is still a monster. Morton is pitching well for the most part. Like, uh, it just feels to me, and maybe you are getting a different feeling than I am, but because uh, you're honestly you're online more than I am with regard to the to, to the to the Brave side of things. I, I feel like people are panicking, and I get why about the rotation, but the rotation has been objectively good so far, even with all of the injuries and all the questions. Yeah, and you can even. Because I, I looked this up when Chris and I talked the other day, but you can even go back to like the day the Braves found out that Max Fried was going to be out for a significant period of time, which is the uh, right, um, I think it was right after the Baltimore series, so right before the Boston series. That's when the Braves found out they were going to lose Max. And since that day, the Braves have like the second or third best ERA for, um, for starting pitching in, in all of baseball. Like since that day, Coming into today, now obviously, like you said, Soroka had a rough day today, so it's going to be worse. But yeah, it hasn't been the rotation. It hasn't been the rotation at all. Now, you know, you can say that the rotation maybe not throwing a ton of innings. You know, um, sure. Schuster's been a five and dive. Dodd's been mostly a five and dive. Strider's been hit and miss on that. He's been better recently, uh, but he started out the year kind of a five and dive Morton's hit or miss. So like you can say like, you know, the bullpen is having to accumulate innings because the, the, the rotation is not going terribly deep, but given that you're out, you know, Max and Kyle Wright, I mean, you got the third, second or third best ERA since that, since that time where Max went out. I mean, you, you, that's, that's more than you could have asked for. So yeah, it's been the, it's been the bullpen. It's been the lineup inconsistencies more than anything that's and you know and the the competition i mean the braves are probably this is probably the toughest stretch of games the braves will have all year and competition matters of course so you know that that's part of the the calculus but yeah i agree the the rotation has not been the problem now i don't i don't know how long that will continue i think the braves have lived on some pretty decent you know batted ball luck in, in some of that regard but yeah, to this point, it's been amazing. It's been way better than I ever could have imagined when we found out that that Max was going to be out for a couple months. Yeah, and this is a shorthand, but since you know over that ten and thirteen stretch, the offense has basically been league average or a little bit worse, which yeah. they need to be better than that. And that's yeah. so that's you know that's that's really the and honestly, that's an area where I don't know about you, I'm not concerned about the offense really at all. Big picture, like you know, unless there are injuries, 
this group is too good. Like the players are too good to have the offense struggle to this degree. Like guys are going to have slumps and all that, but I mean, I'm, I really don't have much concern at all about the offense, but that, that has been probably the biggest reason why they've been kind of middling for a while is that the offense hasn't really been the same, which is, you know, it's, it's the ebb and flow of the season, I think. Well, the offense and the defense, the defense, oh, has yeah. been, the, defense has been, <laughs> the defense has been like kind of astoundingly bad all year. It's been really, it's been really strange. I mean, the Braves, Listen, the Braves don't put out like the most athletic team in the world. Like they've got Riley and Olsen on the corners. Arcia is not exactly like a freak athlete. You know, Rosario's in left. Yeah. Other than other than Acuna and Harris, you know, they don't really have any like tremendous athletes. Um, so I guess it's not a shock that the defense would be so sketchy, but it's been more sketchy than I think even I thought it would be. Agreed. Um, and so I think that's played a big role. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't th- I'm not that worried about the offense. I do. And I've, I've talked about this a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but Rosario and left-handed uh, Ozzy, those are the keys to the Braves' offense. Rosario and left-handed Ozzy, because it balances out the lineup. Because the Braves have a ton of right-handed hitting. They don't have a ton of left-handed hitting. So when Rosario and Ozzy do what they did today, it, it changes the dynamic of the team. But, yeah, long-term, I'm not I'm not worried about the offense. The bullpen and the defense. Um, and as long as Kyle and, and Max come back, I'm not really worried about the rotation. But the bullpen and the defense, I think, are, are probably more actual concerns. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to pivot on the Rosario point because it's a good time to do that. Not only the Grand Slam today, but as we get into the Arizona series, you know, his the game they lost on Friday, the only scoring they had was two home runs by Rosario. And he had this, he had a great weekend and it's only, you know, three, four, five, six games, whatever it is. But, you know, he had been pretty bad for a extended period of time. Even, even if you remove the, the part of the season last year where he couldn't see, which it, I think is fair to remove. He really couldn't see. Um, even when he came back, he wasn't very good. And in the first 48 games of this season, he had a 674 OPS. That's not like unplayably dreadful for some guys, but given his defense, all that, that's, that's pretty bad. But he has two home runs on Friday, two hits on Saturday, and then, of course, the Grand Slam today. Where do you stand on Rosario? Because he's, he's basically playing every day. 
And like, that's not a great option, but he also is prone. And this is honestly in his profile for a long time, even before he joined the Braves to these streaks where he goes off for a month or something like that. It happened at a great time in October 21, of course, but even before that. So like, you know, you talked about that, that being a pivot point. I agree with you, but like, should that be a point of concern moving forward that he's still playing this much? Because honestly, I was making notes for this podcast a few days ago and I was going to ask you if like they have to upgrade on him via trade in the next couple of months. And maybe they still do, but it's, it's, I kind of feel sillier to talk about that now after he had this huge weekend, but like, where do we stand on Rosario? Well, so Eddie's the only job on the team. And I, I, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago because I knew we were going to talk about it. Eddie's only job on the team is to hit right-handed pitching. That is, that is his only job. He's not asked to play defense at a high level. He's not asked to run bases. He's not asked to hit left-handed pitching. His only job is to hit right-handed pitching. And so you hate to reduce a guy's season down to like one number, but like with him, you can kind of do that. You can kind of just say, okay, how well are you doing your one job? And before this series, he had like an 80 WRC plus against right-handed pitching. And that, that's gone up. It was a, it was yeah. it was hovering around like the fifties for most of the season, and so and obviously he's got three home runs in the last what three games, so that's going to help a lot. But um, so that's that's how I judge Eddie Rosario completely and entirely is how is he hitting right-handed pitching? If he does what he did in this series, then you don't have to upgrade anything because Pilar can hit lefties, Eddie can hit righties. You're fine out there. If he reverts back to the guy that he was last year, the guy he was for the first two months this year, then yeah, you have to upgrade. I mean the balance in your lineup is is essential. I don't think it get ta- I don't think it's talked about enough about how important it is to have quality left and right-handed hitters in your lineup because especially when you get into the postseason, teams can match you up to death and you have to have balance. You can't be just one-sided. And the Braves have been very one-sided this year because Olsen has really been their only consistent left-handed bat and even he's been a little bit up and down. So yeah, Eddie is a mass is a massive piece and if he hits like he did in this series the Braves go to a different level offensively. And if he doesn't, if he reverts back, then yeah, you have to upgrade. You have to get another left-handed bat somewhere because, you know, Ozzie is just so much worse from that side. Michael Harris, who I think we're going to talk about here soon is having a really rough go to start the year. And and you don't really have enough of a track record to know how he's going to bounce back. So yeah, if Eddie, if Eddie hits like this, man, then it's, it's a whole different ball game, but if he reverts back, then, Absolutely. I think that's something and, and Alex might look to upgrade it anyways, just to have a little yeah. bit more depth <laughs> because they're only their only left-handed option on the bench is Hilliard. And Hilliard hasn't played in I don't know how long. And when he does play, it seems like he strikes out every time. And part of that is from not playing, but part of it is because Hilliard strikes out a lot. That's why he was available for as cheap as he was. So right. I would not be surprised at all if the Braves went and got another left-handed outfielder of some sort to try to at least add some depth and if nothing else be, you know, Rosario insurance. It's also an easy spot. And, you know, obviously we'll save a lot of this for later in the summer when we need to talk about it, but it's also arguably the easiest spot to help. I mean, we saw that famously two years ago when they yep. overhauled the entire outfield. Like it can be done at a relatively cheap cost when you're looking for marginal upgrades. I mean, I know Robbie Grossman didn't work out incredibly well last year, but that's the kind of guy you can go out and get for very little. And they can do that, I think. So keep an eye on that. And obviously, you know, more of this from Eddie would be very helpful across the board. That was the one loss, of course, on Friday. They went on Saturday, a pretty, you know, not a, not a hugely eventful game in a, in a good way. Strider was solid. He looked good. Wolpin did its job. Ronnie Homer, Sean Murphy had three hits. Um, I don't have too much to add from Saturday. It was like a nice to have them get a kind of, you know, just a solid win behind Strider. Because look, they got to win when Strider, when Strider pitches. It's not that simple, but they, they kind of do need to win those games. So when he does his job to not um, stiff him with bad offense is, uh, is helpful. Yeah, I think I think Strider would probably tell you it wasn't his best. I think he had no. like 
four walks and seven strikeouts and six innings or something like that, which is, I mean, I gave up one run. So, you know, yeah, he, he was, he was okay. Um, he was good for a normal human being. He was, he right. was not good for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was yeah. probably one of his worst starts in a while, honestly. And obviously he was still plenty enough to win, but yeah, the, the big thing on Saturday was just how many quality at bats the offense had like so many, hard hit balls, so many line drives. The Braves had like four barreled outs in that game, which is unheard of in one game. And, you know, um, the offense had been struggling so much in the Oakland series in the first game in Arizona that honestly, that's all I was looking for. I was just looking for some sign of life, some, some sign. And, you know, that was the worst pitcher that Arizona threw in the three games. So, you know, you wanted to see the offense come out and, and do what they do. And they, they really did. They, they only scored five runs, but they easily could have probably doubled that with some, some better luck. But so, yeah, it was great to see. And it was kind of a precursor to what we saw today. Uh, But, you know, this offense has got a hit. Like you said, being a league average offense is not good enough for this group. You know, this team is built to hit and it's built to have the offense carry it at times. And they haven't done that for a while. And so, yeah, it was great to see on uh, Saturday. And obviously it led into more of it today. Yeah, so we'll, we'll end on a higher note with regard to the game coverage. But we, we should start up, uh, on Mike Soroka, who Mike Soroka, I should say. I will always do that. My apologies to Michael. Um, he didn't look great today. Uh, the numbers are what they are. Three and two thirds, five earned runs. He allowed 11 base runners. He did get unlucky uh, in the second inning. The first run that it was allowed, it was a 53 mile an hour double. <laughs> Don't always see very many of those. Um, but the rest of that, rest of his outing, uh, he kind of fell apart. Uh, I, the way that I tracked that, I think he got three outs in the last 11 batters he faced. Not what you want there. Um, what did you see from him? Because, of course, you know, everyone's paying close attention to him uh, for good reason. His his story is fantastic. He was able to come back, of course, on Monday in Oakland and then, then pitched again today. But uh, he, he obviously wasn't fantastic. Yeah, it was a weird start because I think in all three innings, he only pitched three innings. But I think in all three innings, he got the first – or. In the last two innings, he got the first two outs, and then uh, yeah, I think all I think all the runs that he allowed were on with were, were, were with two outs. If I yeah. do the math, and and yeah. the in the last two innings, like everything started with two. Like he would get the first two guys out immediately, and then like I know in the second inning he went like homer single 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 something you know something like that all with two outs, and yeah, it was weird. I mean, with Mike. Or I'm sorry, Michael. I, I do the same. I do the same thing. I'll yeah. it, it'll I'll be in my grave before I remember to call him Michael. But um, yeah, with him it's command, and people always think about command in terms of walks, but command also means where you're throwing strikes. And even when Michael was at his best, you know he's a he's a ground ball guy. He's not a huge strikeout guy. You know he's not a 98, 99 mile an hour fastball guy. Like he's 92, 93, 94. He's got to locate, and he's got to locate low in the zone. He's got to keep the ball on the ground you know, he was kind of a turbo sinker guy and that's not any different now. I mean, he's got to be the same way and everything today was up and guys were getting under the ball and he was getting hit hard. I mean, there was, there was some loud, loud. I mean, even some of his outs were very loud. There was a, uh, I think, I think core or Carol or Pavin Smith had like a hundred or a 408 mile an hour or 408 foot out right in that right in the middle of all that so yeah it was it was not great I mean there was no there's no getting around it but you know for all the fans that were clamoring for Soroka like this is what you have to expect I mean he hasn't pitched in the majors in three years almost and his command is not going to be great and listen he's a command guy I think he has to command the ball he has to be on top of his command to an elite level because he's not a huge stuff guy I mean he's a decent stuff guy but you know, throwing 94 in today's game is 
is average. I mean, that's, you know, you got to be able to command it. You got to be able to sink it. You got to keep it low in the zone. You got to keep it away from the barrel. And that's going to take time for him. And I hope fans are patient. I, I know patients and fans don't really mix well, but you know, there, if, if you wanted Michael up, then you had to expect that there was going to be some, some rust and there's going to be rust and command is one of the things that rust the quickest and takes the longest to get back. So yeah, I'm not terribly worried about him. I'm not surprised, but today was not good. I mean, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into this in a second with regard to next week, but I mean, there's a chance they skip him. I mean, they, they can do that if they want to this week. I don't know if they will, but Schuster's not pitching the first week during the first series, even though he was unscheduled to be because they have the day off. Like they could just give him a week off. I don't know if they're going to do that, but um I was thinking about that just now where you were talking like they, you know, he, he's, he's not, he's their fifth guy right now. And we'll see. I mean, even, you know, we'll talk about Smith Shalver. He came up and looked, he finally pitched today. He looked really good. And uh, I have a feeling we'll start getting calls from people, if not already, perhaps to have him starting. So, uh, I mean, for all the great story, I think they're going to have to keep an eye on Soroka because, you know, every start matters and, you know, he's not blowing anybody away with his stuff, like you said. So uh, we're all rooting for him, obviously. But uh, it's uh, going to be interesting to kind of see how they handle it moving forward because I think almost intentionally they had him pitch on the road and now they're home for a week and we'll see. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I guess they could switch it up. I guess if they do skip him, it doesn't matter. But if he pitched on regular rest, I think his next start would be at home against Washington. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah. So they might want to, you know, I mean, Washington's been hitting the ball a lot better than they were at the beginning of the year. So maybe not, maybe they just skip them all together, but yeah, it'll be interesting what they do with them. Yeah. I'm just, I'm interested because they, you know, they, they could just go to Schuster basically in that slot and then keep, keep their rotation rolling as it is. So we'll see. Um, the other, the other big story other than the Rosario grand slam today was the, uh, was the Ozuna near home run. Um, it was a 415 foot single because he wasn't running and he obviously thought it was gone uh, in his slight defense Statcast said it was gone in 26 of the 30 major league parks. So it was gone a lot of places. Um, it probably cost them a run because Gallon had, had a wild pitch right after that. And he would have scored moments later if everything would have gone the same. And then he got pulled. I mean, I don't, I don't think that was a coincidence. I mean, I, I haven't seen as we're recording now, I haven't seen Snicker address it. Maybe he was asked about it after the game, but I think everyone's assuming that was a, punishment of some sort because he was he would not normally have been pitch it for at that point in the, at, at that point in the game uh in fact i'm looking at it right now uh yeah he, snicker apparently said via dob that ozuna felt bad about not running and uh he was replaced yeah it was because of that so you know not a surprise there so uh, i guess the easiest way to ask you this is like does this, is this the kind of thing that, that i actually don't know this about you is this the kind of thing that, that makes you mad because like he, he didn't uh you know I have no problem with a little bit of admiration of a home run, but it, it better it better go over the fence if you're going to you're going to do it. So uh, I don't know where you where you stand on that whole thing because uh, I thought it was fine to pull him, and uh, obviously you can't really do that. And listen, I've seen guys hit balls that they thought were out, and they kind of jog while watching it. He literally stood. Yeah, he he, he really did not even. I, he plus, w- he's also he's also really slow, so it yeah. wasn't like he could he could, like turn it on either. So like, yeah, I mean, it should, like it should have it, been a double, obviously. It, it, like if he was just jogging with the bat, kind of watching it, he would have been on second because the Agreed. ball bounced. Like the right fielder is the one that fielded the ball off the center field wall. <laughs> so like if he was just jogging a little bit and just like admiring, he would have been on second. So yeah, yeah, it's a. It's probably like you said. It's like what one of four stadiums in the league that it's not a home run. But I mean, you know it. It's not like that big center field wall is a secret. Like you know, it takes a poke to get it out. Like if you hit a ball that direction, 
like run because it's a big center field wall. There's a chance it's not going to be a homer. And I mean, it's just kind of stupid. And I don't blame Snit for pulling him. I, I assumed he would pull him again. Even if you admire it and jog a little, you're standing on second. The only way you're standing on first at the end of that is if you literally just stand at the plate and watch it. And that's just, I mean, you just can't do that, especially when you're as slow as, you know, Ronnie will admire a home run plenty. I mean, he's done it plenty in the past, but like right. Ronnie has got, you know, he's got 70 speed, 80 speed. Like he can turn it on and still get to second if he needs to. When you, I mean, Azuna runs like he's hauling a refrigerator behind him. Like if you run <laughs> like that, you can't, you can't stand at the plate. And watch a ball bounce off the center. Yeah, it was not good. And I don't blame Snit for pulling him. That's what I would have done too. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I'm not usually like the pull your guys uh, manager, uh, but you know that was bad. And I'm glad you put it the way you did too, because that's a, it's an important distinction in my mind that like he didn't even. It wasn't like a jog. It really was a no. Uh, he just stood there. That that is that. I think that's honestly the difference and probably what got him pulled. Like if he had been jogging and maybe you know he's so slow. Maybe it would have been a little bit different, but because it was, he didn't even like, honestly, and I'm glad he didn't try to go to second. He would have got thrown out. Like there's no way he would have been able to get to second. So yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it here for now, but I thought that was uh, an interesting play that was, you know, Ozuna has been better recently. He had, he had, he had, he hit that, that ball a long way. Probably should have been a home run in a lot of places, but um, that was one you can't get away with. If you hit a ball to center field and the right fielder field, like dead center field <laughs> and the right fielder field, and you're not on second base, then you're getting, you're getting pulled. That's, that's a good. Just, that's a that's, that's a good shorthand for it. If you want to just explain it without somebody actually being able to watch the play, I guess other than that, you know, Smith Shawver finally pitched. He had he had been with the big league club for three plus games. Uh, looked looked great to me. I mean, did you have a uh, nuanced thoughts beyond the fact that his arm just looks like it? You know, he, he has a cannon there, and it looked uh, he looked fantastic. He struck out, struck out three. Um, obviously, he had pitched in what like a, almost a week, maybe more than a week by the time he actually got there. But uh, I mean, everything that you could have asked for, he, he looked like it in that game. Yeah, it was. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you do too. I, I'm online with the Braves more than you, so I get the. I've gotten this question, God, Brad. I've gotten this question like 75 times, <laughs> but like every every single inning that he hasn't pitched, like somebody will tweet at me, "Hey, where is this guy?" Like yeah. I, we called him. We called up our number one prospect, and we like set him on the bench for six days. Like a, every single day, I kept getting this. So I was just happy that Snit finally used him, just so stop getting the question. But yeah, he looked good. I mean. He's got a live arm. He throws 97. I think he could, I think he's gotten up to 98 in the minors before. So I think he's got a little bit more in the tank too. Um, honestly, man, it's just good to see somebody coming out of the pen throwing hard. <laughs> I think the Braves, like, I don't know, this might just be entirely, you know, uh, anecdotal, but it feels like the Braves like lead the league and guys who come out of the pen throwing like 88. I, I don't know Jesse. why. Like, yeah. Jesse and Colin and, you know, they've got, um, you know, Yates throws like 92. If it feels like everybody else is throwing like 99 when they come out and the Braves like have a, I don't know, it's probably anecdotal. But anyway, it, yeah, it was good to see. It was good to see him pitch. It was good to see him get outs. That was not, I tweeted this, but that was not low leverage either. I mean, he came oh. in, I think the sixth inning in a two-run game with the top of the order up. Um, and obviously Arizona is a really good offense. And in that ballpark, it's a tough place to pitch. And yeah, he looked good. I think he well, he went what two innings? I think he two, went two, and, two, innings. And a, two and a third. He, he started the third inning. Remember, he got he got the first out on the third, and then uh, they went to AJ after he uh, that's he, right. He, he walked somebody the other AJ, I should say. But yeah, um, I, I thought it was yeah. You mentioned the thing about low leverage. I, I was going to make the joke about you know any, anytime you're losing, it's low leverage if you're Ryan Snicker. That's that's the that's the that's that the years the long running joke. But uh, no, I, I agree. I, and those. And look, if he, if he isn't good, they 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 don't win the game. I mean, they if he blows up there, I mean, they were losing, yes, but it was a close game. They trusted him with some real innings, and he pitched really well. And the fact that he, they let him start the third inning was probably because he had not pitched in so long, so he was fresh and he's a starter normally and all that stuff. So, 
that there's some uh, there's some freedom in that. I've been wondering what his role is going to be too. I mean, not to the point where I'm just constantly asking like people in your mentions, but it is really interesting because you know he's obviously stretched out to some degree, and you're talking about you know they don't really have they don't really use a traditional long man role. They kind of do sometimes, but it's not like a throwback where you have this one long guy in your roster, and then you know you call him up and. Yeah, I understand calls to have him start. I mean, because you know he's that's that's what he's been doing, and I think that's probably what's what his future is going to be. But the Braves have been doing this for a while now, where they have some of these top arms come up in the bullpen first, and uh, Strider and Freed or whatever. We'll, we've all talked about it, but it's it's interesting to kind of see how they're going to do this. And Stitt didn't hasn't been treating him like a high leverage arm, as evidenced by him not pitching in the three games before that. But um, they trusted him a little bit here, so we'll see what his next outing looks like. Because I'm sure it won't be available tomorrow, and we'll see beyond that. Yeah, and I'm also just interested to see how much they keep him stretched out for a potential spot start. Because if he comes in, pitches one inning or two innings, and then doesn't pitch for a while, you know, how you use him in the interim determines how you can use him later without having to send him back down and get stretched back out. So and that was kind of the Strider thing. If you remember last year, they would he he pitched, but early on he would just be like the mop up guy, and then he became a one inning high leverage guy. And then they wanted to start him, but because he'd been a one inning guy for so long, they had to send him back down to stretch him back out. So yeah, you I, can't I, do that. I mean, you, that's the thing is people people just kind of ignore that, which is that's a real thing. Like once once you're pitching in a role where you're pitching more than once every couple of days for several, like you got to your whole routine changes. And yeah, um, I, I should I should correct myself. They don't play they don't play tomorrow, so um, right. they don't have to worry about that. But um, yeah, I I will be intrigued, and I'm sure they're not going to be open with us about the plan uh at least i'd be surprised if they were but uh you, you do want to keep him in the holster if you need him to start because I, I don't know about you i won't be surprised if he's starting uh in august or september uh, no nope. that, that would not surprise me at all let's just say so i'm not nope. saying it's going to happen but it won't it won't, it won't surprise me no nope. especially if soroka doesn't i mean you know if, if if he looks kind of the same and still struggling Braves need a fifth starter or a sixth starter yeah absolutely i mean he's he's in the majors i mean he spent like he spent like 10 minutes in triple a. So yeah, if they need a starter, I think he's absolutely the next guy on as long as he's stretched out when they need him, then yeah, I think he's the next guy up. And they're not, and Alex is to his credit in my mind, they're not fooling around. Like when they're trying to win the world series and they don't worry about service time. They don't worry about, you know, how young a guy is. We saw it with Harris. We've seen it before with, even with Grissom came up fast. Like they're not fooling around. If, if they think he's going to be their best option, they're going to go with him. And I like that. So. And that's a really good point. I don't think fans, I, I, I tweeted that a couple of days ago because I don't think people fully appreciate how different, because I saw some of the baseball America guys tweeting about like the Braves are one of the most aggressive organizations they've ever seen calling up prospects. And like people were talking about AJ, you know, if he got to double a or triple a this year, it would have been a real accomplishment. And he's in the majors in June, in June, early June, <laughs> early June. Like that's yeah. great. Like the Braves are the Braves. Alex Adopoulos and the Braves, they are as aggressive as any team in baseball with prospects. They do not care about service time. They're not trying to manipulate pay. You know, it does help that half the roster is locked up for like 10 years, but still they're not, they don't care about that stuff. And a lot of organizations do. And I don't, I don't know if fans realize that, but there are a lot of, there's plenty of organizations in baseball that would not do what the Braves have done the last couple of years with their prospects. So it's a, it's definitely a credit to the front office. It definitely is. And uh, of course it, it helps when you've been winning and you, you know, 
have cachet and Alex has, you know, obviously has earned the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. And he's not batting a thousand on these moves. Like we saw, you know, but even, even when it doesn't quote unquote work so far, um, like Vaughn's the example of this, he was still awesome when he came up, <laughs> he just cooled off after that, but it worked for a little while. So um, yeah, we'll leave it there for now. Um, anything else you want to add about the game today? I mean, we, we, we kind of led with it a little bit with the Rosario home run. They, uh, they almost, honestly, they almost blew it though. That's something I wish I always want to say. They had second and third no outs, and they almost didn't score. That would have been that would have been an excruciating way to lose today. That almost made it more sweet. Right, was the fact <laughs> that it was they had like second and third. Matt struck out. They they intentionally walked Riley, and then Darno had like a soft line. Oh, by the way, I thought about this as soon as it happened on that on that soft line drive. If he lets that drop and catches it on a hop. That's they a win. double play and the Agreed. game's over. With, with, tra- with, with Travis running, for with sure. Travis yeah. running, yeah. That's an easy double play. So that's a funny little nugget. But no, I mean, it was a huge – that was arguably one of the biggest swings of the season, that you know that, that grand slam in the ninth. Because especially if they go on a run after this, like we're going to look back on this game a lot like we did, you know, for last year's series in Arizona. You know, we could look back on that swing and be like, this is kind of the moment the Braves took off and took control of the division. So – yeah, great win. Again, Zach Gallon is is an incredible pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's he's right up right up there with Strider for Cy Young to beat him to win the series. Just such a huge win today, and, and obviously a, a big swing for Eddie. Yeah, huge swing and a nice win to be sure. I ha- I have one more question before we look at the head to the week uh, that's coming, um, and it's one that I also asked your co-host Chris last week on this program, and it's basically. Are you worried at all about Michael Harris? Because the numbers are bad as far as like his traditional stats. His WRC plus for the season is 40. He's a 506 OPS. Uh, that's not good. Uh, we all, we all kind of know that. Now, I'll always give this caveat. Um, Harris is the, the reason, one of the reasons why I, I've always really liked Harris is that he's the kind of guy who can not just murder you when he's not hitting because he's so good at everything else. And that does matter in center field. But He's got to hit at some point. In the last 30 days, he has one game with more than one hit. So uh, are you worried about Michael Harris at the plate? It's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> because It's a loaded question because the answer is yes and no. Like The reason I'm not worried about Michael Harris is because a lot of the underlying data looks very similar to last year, like remarkably similar to last year. And he's even upped his launch angle, which was kind of the big thing coming into the year. He's, he's, he's hitting into a much worse luck than he was last year. He's got like a 212 uh, BABIP this year, and he had like a 330 BABIP last year. So he's over 100 points different just on balls in play. We kind of saw that in this series where, especially yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, he hit a, he had like, I think he had like two or three of the hardest balls hit in the game, and he only, he only went one for four. But so in that, in that regard, I'm not worried about Michael because, like you said, he, he has a carrying tool other than his bat. Like his center field defense is good enough. It's so good that, like, he's, it's not like an Eddie Rosario, Marcelo Zuna thing where if they're not hitting, they're just not producing anything. There's value there when he's not hitting. But the reason it is, I'm a little bit worried is because he hits the ball on the ground so much. And, you know, it's, it's really, really hard for guys to figure that out. And some do and some don't. And, you know, Christian Yellick kind of famously was the guy who in Miami for years and years and years, everybody's like, why is this guy not winning MVPs? Like this guy should be much, his numbers should be way better than they are. And it was because he was running like a 60% crown ball rate most of the time. And he went to Milwaukee and he figured it out, but he's kind of regressed. And, you know, it's a whole thing. It, it is very complicated. It's hard thing to do. It's hard thing to fix. Um, a lot of it's about your swing mechanics. And, and, you know, he does struggle with putting the ball on the ground a lot. And, 
you know, it's been no different this year. He's like a 55%. And even when you hit the ball hard, when it's on the ground, there's just so it's, it's so limited in what you can do. So I am a little worried about the bat. I, I don't, I, I think most of us, I think uh, you and I talked about it, I think a couple of times, but you know, I think most people kind of knew that his season last year was a bit of a mirage. Like it wasn't going to be that good again. And, and as good as, you know, as, as much as it's not going to be that good, I don't think it's going to be this bad. Like there's a, there's a middle ground somewhere with Michael that we haven't seen yet. That's his true talent level. And so that's what I'm waiting for. Like, let's, let's level out, let's figure out where our true talent level is. And then we can start talking about the player. Cause I think we've seen the two ends of the extreme. I think we've seen, seen a level. He's not going to really reach again offensively and a level this year where it's, it's his true talent level is nowhere near as bad as he's off his numbers look. So I'm kind of waiting on that middle point to hit and, and then we can kind of move forward, but it'll be very interesting what they do because, you know, not hitting has levels. Like if you're not hitting and you have an 80 WRC plus right. with elite center field defense, then you're fine. You're going to play. But if you're not hitting as a 40 WRC plus. Yeah. Which it's not, he's not this bad. I mean, no. no way. But that's honestly, and I'm not trying to trigger anybody here, but that was always a conversation with Ender and Ciarte. You remember right. that? Like back yeah. in the day, Ender's entire pitch, other than the one season where he had 200 hits and people freaked out about him being a great hitter was league average offense, great defense in center field. And that's a heck of a player. And, you know, Michael Harris, I think is better than that still, but you're right. I mean, we, we all did kind of point out last year, if you looked at the underlying data, it didn't really support a 136 WRC plus in the majors with a 514 slugging. Like it didn't really look like that. It doesn't have to. That's the thing about Michael Harris is that he can be a three, four win, really, really, really good player while being just a solid hitter and not a great hitter. It's just that he can't be what he's being now. So yeah, we'll see. I, I'm just asking the, the sample size is, uh, because he was hurt um, is pretty small still. It's still less than 200 plate appearances. So no reason to like panic, but yeah, hitting the ball on the ground this much is not going to help uh, anybody really. Um, even when you can run like he can, um, you know, that helps a little bit to offset that, but you still hit the ball in the air more than he is. And um, I, because I asked Chris and because I looked at the numbers again today, I was like, okay, it's still pretty bad. I figured I have to ask you, but we're I do, it, it is fair to point out that he's been like, he hasn't been healthy for most right. of the year. He had the, he had the, he crashed into the wall in Washington. Like the first, I think it was the first series of the year. He crashed into the wall in the awkward slide. He had the, the hyperextension of the knee he's been wearing this knee brace. So I don't know how healthy it is. I don't know how healthy he is right now, but yeah, it's fair to point out, but he needs to be better. I mean, that, there's no doubt about that. I, the underlying numbers are definitely better than his results. So that's a positive, yes. but yeah, they, they need, I mean, he's one of the reasons that the Braves have struggled against right-handed pitching because he hasn't, he hasn't kind of carried his, his part of the, the weight, you know, with righties on the mound. So they need a better Michael Harris for sure. Yeah, there you go. I want to at least touch on that. I wait till the end so people don't get mad at us for being negative. But uh, we both like we both like Michael Harris. We're just uh, hoping he is better than this, and I think he will be. Um, last thing before we get out of here is a look ahead. So they come back home this week. They're off on Monday, as I erroneously did not say earlier. Um, three, three with the Mets, and then three with the Nationals. Interesting slate. Um, this Mets series is pretty high profile. Um, we mentioned it once earlier, but they're, they're actually skipping Schuster to move Strider into this series. So it's Elder, Morton, Strider. So the Braves top three against the Mets having, they have Carrasco who's struggling in the opener, but then it's Verlander and Scherzer. So this is kind of a pretty big showdown with regard to pitching matchups. And um, I think you said earlier, but I agree. I think the Mets are still probably the best team in the National League East other than the Braves. 
So uh, a pretty big series after an off day, two fresh teams, need to win them play on Monday. And um, the Mets are going the wrong direction. They've lost three in a row. The Braves were playing a little bit better, but I always look forward to this series and uh, it's all the big arms, at least the ones that are available. Yep. And it's a big deal. Chris and I have talked about this a bunch, um, but you know, when the, when MLB moved to the balanced schedule, the way they added all these extra teams to team schedules, they took away division, some of the division games that teams used to play. And so, Instead of the Braves playing the Mets 19 times a year, they play them 13 times. And, you know, every time the Braves and the Mets play, it's already a big deal because the number one tiebreaker for the division is head-to-head record. But when you reduce the number of games they play by seven or by six, excuse me, then they become even bigger of a deal because you just don't have as many opportunities to make up games head-to-head. I mean, that's one of the reasons the Braves won the division last year is because yeah, they were a long way back, but they still had like seven games against the Mets head to head in August and September that they could kind of look at and say, you know, we've got them like we can we can still win this thing because we're playing them so much. That doesn't really exist anymore. That's not it's not the same setup now because of the balanced schedule. You just don't see each other as much. So, yeah, it's a big series. I mean, anytime they play, they're going to they're going to it's going to be big. You know, the Braves took two of three the first time there were some rainouts, but the Braves took two of three in, in New York. And so they've got the leg up early. But, yeah, big series, Scherzer, Verlander, Carrasco, and then um, I think it's Elder Morton and Strider. So, um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I hope the Braves can ride some momentum. I don't really believe in momentum, so <laughs> I, I guess I really can't say that. But um, I hope the Braves take the good vibes, I guess I'll say, from – the 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 series win and maybe the Mets have some bad vibes from being swept by Toronto. So yeah, it'll be a good series. It'll be fun. Um, it'll you know that'll be one of the biggest series to date so far. Yeah, and some some high profile you know Tuesdays on on TBS. Wednesday is Scherzer and Morton. That's obviously an old guy special, but two guys who could still pitch it a little bit. And then Thursday is MLB Network, and it's Verlander Strider. So like mm-hmm. some headliner stuff there. Uh, Going to be pretty interesting to. Uh, monitor all of that uh the weekend isn't quite as appetizing on paper the nationals are not horrific i'll say that they're uh they're not good i don't think but they're not i will wrote that down they're, they're not good but they're not awful um and they haven't seen the nationals since the first series of the season so it's been a little while um another product of what you were saying before about how how much less they actually see these teams but the nats are capable of beating the braves but it's three games at home against a team that they're better than so usually a pretty good spot yeah i mean they should take two out of three you know, one thing we didn't talk about that in that Oakland series is the Braves had to play on Sunday night baseball and then, you know, fly across country and play a Monday game at like 5 p.m. local. And, yeah, that and wasn't so, great. <laughs> and well, that's like that's that's brutal scheduling. So this will be a little different. Um, and the Braves usually play Washington, like Washington, and Miami. Like if you point to two reasons why the Braves just keep winning divisions is because they just they, it seems like they always beat Washington and Miami and, and the other teams kind of struggle. So hopefully that continues. But like you said, Washington's playing good. I mean, or, you know, good is relative. They're not playing awful. I guess it's better to say they, they went to LA and gave LA a decent series. So they've got some talent. They've got some guys hitting really well. So um, that'll be a fun series. You know, it, it should be a series where the Braves get healthy a little bit, but yeah, still a fun week, uh, full week of homestand. So it'll be nice to be back home. It'll be nice to be playing, games at like 7 p.m local versus like 10 p.m local um but yeah i kind of i kind of like the late nights because i'm a complete sicko and i don't want to sleep anyway but yeah for for those of you that do not want to stay up for late 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 baseball uh 720 720 720 420 410 and 130 this week there you go congratulations to everyone 
on that, uh, Scott's back to uh, not that Scott's back in back in America. He's back to bad uh, start times. So the fact that Scott was out of the country for the Arizona series should be like elite. Like he should be arrested for that. Yeah, Oakland, Oakland, and Arizona, and yeah, he lives in Arizona, so that was even more brutal. I'm sure yeah. uh, he might have hesitated to even go go out of town because of that um, that rationale. But it's okay. We all survived, uh, and I, I did see my first. I was waiting for this. I almost did it myself. I was waiting for this. Someone finally today added me in a tweet with Scott that was like, um, anybody knows that, that the Braves got worse when Scott left the country? And I was like, well, yeah, I saw that. I was like, guys, I mean, I've, I've been saying it for a while um, and nobody ever wanted to mention it. But yeah, Scott's back. And uh, I guess not coincidentally, they uh, they won some games this weekend. He's not back in Arizona, but I, I've, I've heard tell that he's in America at this point. So like he left like exactly like three, like three weeks ago, right? Pretty much so. exactly when the Braves started losing. So yeah, yeah. Blame, blame Scott. And if they, if they, if they, if they go six and oh this week, well, we'll all know the answer yep. once, once and for all. Uh, well, Stephen, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you are a busy man. You do your own show with Chris. Uh, you filled in with Sean multiple times on Daily Hammer stuff and emergency podcasts. And uh, I do appreciate you doing this. Um, where can people find you? I'm sure they've already know where, where you are, but on the off chance, we have a new listener or something like that today. Uh, where can folks be following all of your work? Yeah. B outliers is the Twitter handle. Um, come follow along. I, I don't, I don't cover basketball the way Brad does. So I, <laughs> Nor I, should you. Yeah. So I, I talk about the Braves probably too. You know, it's funny, Brad, cause I, I've been noticing that like you've, you're you're not like you're not live tweeting the games as much as you used to. I'm kind of trying not to, honestly, which is maybe maybe a bad thing. Like I'm I'm watching just as much as always, and I, I talk myself into this uh, this year as a starting point. I'm trying not to do it, and I don't know if that's good or bad. But I, I'm well, trying. It's funny because I I'm not like I, the last few weeks I've really noticed it. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably like the healthier way to go. So I will. <laughs> every game starts, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do the Brad. I'm like gonna maybe send like one tweet, and then like. Three pitches into the game, I'll have something I want to tweet, and then it's just over. Like I'm, I'm now live tweeting the game. So yeah, yeah I'll be I out am out. with you. Yeah, be out loud is the Twitter. Um, obviously, Chris and I have our own show on the same podcast network. On usually comes out Thursday or Friday. Podcast to be named later. Um, you know, we write on the site. Obviously, yeah, come check it all out. It's uh, it's a fun season so far. It is, and I recommend for sure checking out all of what Stephen is doing. He's a much better follow for Braves content than I am on the Twitter machine. And uh, I think I'll probably fail at some point uh, with my tweeting hiatus or we semi hiatus, but I, I had a little bit, a little bit of stuff today because I couldn't help myself. But uh, if I'm looking at the computer with it open, I will tweet. So I have to like close it out for me. To Maybe that's what I should do. Maybe that's I should like put away to. all devices and just watch. Yeah. yeah I try to do that. At least I, I, honestly, this is way too much of my own self psychology, but it's because um, the Hawks aren't playing right now. And I'm like trying to like maybe take a slight break from like having seven jobs and I only have four. So uh, it's like, all right, if I don't tweet, maybe I won't, you know, engage and work and all that stuff. So anyway, thank you, Steven. I appreciate you doing this as for everybody else, please, please, please subscribe to this podcast network. Steven just said it, but we have three shows on the feed for the price of $0. So we ask that you will, uh, you know, subscribe and rate and review and click on the podcast and also read the site, batterypower.com. I will be yelled at by Chris if I don't share that um, multiple times as well, because we have great written content. We have uh, the YouTube show with Grant and, uh, and Corey. We have all kinds of stuff happening at Battery Power. So subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, and we'll see everybody next time.